Please pray with me. Father, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be pleasing in your sight. God, may your word go forth and accomplish what it was sent to do. Thank you, God, that you invite us to call upon you to be our deliverer from evil. In Jesus' name, amen. Please be seated. So we are coming to a close in our series on the Lord's Prayer. Last week, Mike preached on the final petition, the first half of that final petition, lead us not into temptation. And as Mike shared, that word could also be understood as trials and testing. And this morning, we will be looking at the second half of that petition, but deliver us from evil. When my son, Brendan, was four years old, my wife and I showed him The Wizard of Oz for the first time. And remembering what it was like for me, I prepped Brendan and said, you just got to know there's this evil, wicked witch of the West, because I thought Brendan would be scared. And to my surprise, when she first appears in the movie, Brendan wasn't scared. He sat silent and quiet. And so I thought, oh, well then, Maybe it's when the lion jumps out from the woods, right, and, and scares Dorothy and the scarecrow and the tin man. But again, he wasn't scared. And, and so I said, whew, the coast is clear. Well, not so fast. When the wicked witch sent the flying monkeys <laughs> to kidnap Dorothy, Brendan lost it. He started pointing his finger at the TV and started yelling and crying with tears coming down his cheeks. No, no, no. And he stood up, and my wife and I looked at each other in shock. Are we traumatizing our son? (laughs) And so we quickly said, Brendan, it's going to be okay. Dorothy's going to be fine. She's going to be okay. And as I was saying those words, I started thinking to myself, Jack, a gang of thugs just took a helpless young lady in a dark wooded forest away from her friends and beat them up and you just told your son everything's going to be okay you see brendan had the right response he acknowledged evil even at four years old he had a basic sense of good and evil Evil is the perversion and the corruption of all that is good. As one author said, it is that which ought not to be. It is the abuse of the freedom that God has given to man. The word for evil here comes from the root word for toil, hardship, and pain because of the inevitable suffering that follows evil. So when Jesus says, lead us not into temptation or testing or trial, but deliver us from evil, there are three implications that I see that I believe we all need to be reminded of, but especially Christians. And to be clear, while the Greek could be translated the evil one, but deliver us from the evil one, throughout Christian history, all scholars and commentators and theologians have agreed, it practically makes little, little difference. The first implication is that Jesus acknowledges evil as a real thing, that Christians will encounter going about doing the Lord's work. This may sound obvious, 
But just to be clear, when Christians pray, Father, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, that does not automatically exempt us from the evil that is in the world. Remember, too, that the model of the Lord's Prayer is something that is to be constantly prayed, daily. And so evil is not something that Christians encounter on a monthly basis, a quarterly basis, an annual basis. Paul writes to Timothy in chapter 3, verse 12, and he writes, Indeed, all who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. Peter, in chapter 4, verse 12 of his first letter, says, Beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery, fiery trial when it comes upon you to test you, as though something strange were happening to you. The church has universally recognized three temptations that wage war against the believer. The world, the flesh, and the devil. At baptism and confirmation, you will hear in the liturgy that the confirmands, the candidates, the parents, renounce all three. The world in this case refers to humanity's corrupt and evil system of values. The love of money, the love of power, and sexual immorality. All of which stand in opposition to God's values. The flesh is not referring to our outer bodies, but that inner sinful nature of man that has love of self at its core, that is constantly seeking gratification, but is never satisfied. Paul says that the acts of the flesh stand in, in opposition to the fruit of the Spirit. They are diametrically opposed And then finally, the devil, Satan, who the the name Satan means adversary, opponent, the one who pleads a case against someone. This is not to be confused with our advocate, Jesus, who pleads a case on behalf of someone. And thanks be to God for that. Satan doesn't plead an honest case either. For he is the devil, and that name means slanderer. He is the father of lies, which means he knows more about lying than any of us. We see the world and the flesh and the devil in a few places in the New Testament. We see it in the the three temptations of Jesus in the wilderness. We see it in the parable of the sower. We see it in James when he says there is a wisdom that is not from God, but is earthly, unspiritual, and demonic. So the first implication of, but deliver us from evil or the evil one, is that evil is real. Satan is a real being. And we battle against the world, its, its, val- its corrupted values, and the sinful desires of the flesh as we go about doing the Lord's work. And this is why we pray for deliverance. Some of us might say, God, I am willing to endure hardship and difficulty for the sake of you forming Christ in me. But I'm grateful that Jesus understands our weakness. 
For who among us would say, God, I'd like to be in the shoes of Job? This leads to the second implication, which is Christians cannot deliver themselves. Christians cannot deliver themselves. And trust me, we are really good at trying. One way that we try to deliver ourselves from evil is we rely on our own strength, our own talents, our own gifts, our competence, our intelligence. We say, I can handle this. This won't corrupt me. Peter's words in Matthew chapter 26, verse 33, sound eerily similar. When he says, though they, the disciples, all the disciples, though they will all fall away on account of you, I will never fall away. How did that work out for Peter? The issue isn't that we underestimate evil, we overestimate ourselves. We trust too much in our natural gifts. And we play the role of God being certain that the outcome will be just as we plan. And yet when things don't work out the way we want, we find ourselves overwhelmed and devastated. You see, I believe Peter was truly ready to give his life for Jesus when he was, arrest, when he was getting arrested in Gethsemane. But Peter wanted to do it his way. It's glorious to go out in battle. And when Jesus denied him that opportunity, he had to be devastated. He wanted to prove that Jesus was wrong when he predicted he would deny him. And we read that he and all the disciples fled. A second way we try to deliver ourselves is by avoiding evil. Instead of confronting it with our bravado, we sometimes think, I'm going to determine what is evil, and I'm going to avoid everyone and anything that even has the taint of evil in it. We become more concerned with the potential of what evil can do than the potential of what God can do. It is often driven by fear, because like the former category... We play the role of God and we determine not that we're going to have victory, but that evil will have victory. How did that way of thinking work out for the Pharisees? When I lead training for sexual misconduct for all of the clergy and the staff and the vestry and all the children's workers here every two years, we go over statistics of, of sexual misconduct. And one of the statistics is a particular demographic of youth who fall into a certain age range and a certain sex. And, these, and this demographic is, has a higher probability of misconduct. But if we take this way of thinking of avoiding, it would be like posting a sign outside the barn and saying, all of you who fall into these categories are not welcome because of the probability of misconduct. It's outrageous. And yet sometimes we apply, we apply this type of thinking. Peter did this when he got scared and fled, but he continued to try to do the right thing by following Jesus from a safe distance. 
And this, of course, led to him denying that he knew him three times. See, praying that God would deliver us from evil and avoiding evil are two different things. One implies that we are actively seeking to do God's will. The other implies that we are actively seeking to remain safe. We make evil bigger than God, and we underestimate God's redemptive work. A third and final way that we, that we try to uh, deliver ourselves is really a hybrid of the two. And this is more insidious. This is when people take their gifts, their natural talents, their competence and their intelligence, but not to confront evil, but to avoid doing the work that they know God wants them to do. Typically, people in this category are disillusioned, and they fall back on the things that they're confident doing. But it's not out of obedience to the Lord. It is therapeutic. We see Peter doing this after he denied the Lord three times. Where do we find him next? Back out toiling all night fishing. So as we think of these three ways that we tend to try to defend ourselves, ask yourselves, Lord, where have I been attempting to deliver myself instead of turning to you? Where am I avoiding out of fear, not out of godly wisdom? Where am I overconfident, being certain of the outcome instead of being certain of who you are? Where am I using my God-given gifts and strengths to try to escape what I know you are calling me to do. So the Christians have the reality of evil as they go about doing the Lord's work. We battle against the world, the flesh, and the devil, but we cannot deliver ourselves. Not by our competence, not by our intelligence, and not by avoiding and ignoring Which leads to the third and final implication. God alone delivers us from evil. We know this because Jesus' death on the cross broke the power of evil, of sin and death and Satan for those who put their faith and trust in him as Lord and Savior and who repent of their sins. In our gospel reading, we have this account of Pilate bringing out before the crowd, Barabbas, the notorious prisoner, and Jesus. And he asks the crowd, who would you like me to release? And those of us who love Jesus would say, Jesus, this is your moment. You can finally escape this evil, this injustice, the suffering of the cross. And Jesus himself even prayed this the night before, three times asking the Father, if there's any other way, God, let it pass. But we read that Jesus submitted to the will of the Father and he endured the cross, despising the shame. And as we read in Psalm 22, despite being mocked, Despite the suffering and feeling alone, Jesus knew that his father would not forsake him. He knew God alone delivers from evil. And now he intercedes on our behalf. Just like he did for the disciples in, 
in the high priestly prayer in John chapter 17, verse 15, when he prays, Father, I do not ask that you take them, the disciples, out of the world, but that you keep them from the evil one. Just as he interceded for Peter when he prayed, or when he said to him, Simon, Simon, behold, Satan demanded to have you, that he might sift you like wheat. But I have prayed for you, that your faith may not fail. And when you have turned again, Peter, strengthen your brothers. So as you go about doing the Lord's work, bring your fears to him and your confidence. Don't be too hasty to avoid or to confront evil, but learn to be in step with the Spirit. Also remember that Jesus says, deliver us from evil. God works through his people, the community of the faith. And just as he can provide our daily bread through people, he can deliver you through the people, the community of faith, the family of God. So ask for help. I would also say, as by way of application, don't show your four-year-old child the Wizard of Oz. <laughs> Wait until they're a little bit older. Now, you might be asking, Jack, that's, that's good, but what about evil that does happen to people who love Jesus, people who are faithful and obedient? Where is God delivering them? When my wife and I told my son everything was going to be okay with Dorothy, it was because, in part, we wanted to comfort him quickly. But it was mostly because we knew the end of the story. The greatest injustice in human history was that God's only begotten son was crucified on the cross for our sins. But that is not the end of the story. Satan does not get the final word. Jesus' death and resurrection proclaims to the world that Jesus has conquered the grave, that he has broken the power of Satan, he has broken the power of sin, he has broken the power of death, and that he will one day return, make all things new, and deliver us from evil. Please pray with me. Lord, thank you for reminding us and calling us to daily come to you and ask that you would deliver us. And Father, in our weakness, in our stumbling, thank you that you intercede on our behalf, Lord Jesus. And you restore us when we fail. Lord, we want you to be our deliverer. God, help us to not try to deliver ourselves. And help us to lean in on the body of believers that you so lovingly have placed around us. And we ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.